Hey, it's Sky Brothers here. View from the cheap seats this week. We have an unbelievable guest. Uh, he played for in the NFL, had over ten thousand six hundred yards rushing, and now he's got a great acting career. He's Thomas Q. Jones. Man, did you have fun on the show? Man, I had a blast on this show. Thank we you so much deep. for inviting me. Yeah, we got super deep, man. It was early in the morning out here in the West Coast. Man, Listen, y'all, got man, my, y'all got my brain working early, man. Talk so. Issues. I'm yeah. talking issues. I'm saying, look, we got so deep, we put her butt to sleep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. P.R.A. Public Radio America. It's like a tote bag for your ears. This week on You're Welcome, San Diego zookeepers refuse to identify their pandas as male or female. Will the pandas choose their own sexual identities or choose eating bamboo until their hearts explode? Chartreuse Beljar reports from inside their cage despite repeated warnings not to. BBC affiliate Austin Bronte reports on a reunion that can't seem to stop reuniting. Does it count as a reunion if it happens seven nights a week, or is it simply an ongoing union at some point? That is the question. In the studio, we have an activist musician joining us. He's bringing an acoustic guitar with him, which, for those of you who don't know, is like a ukulele, only bigger. All this and retractions today on... You're welcome. Welcome to your welcome. I'm Stefan-Straitman, and I don't have a gluten allergy. I don't even really know what gluten is, but I'll be damned if I'll be caught eating it. Our top story. Our animals, people. The answer, of course, is yes. But as people, they can be total jerks, attacking each other with no regard for their feelings, eating everything in sight without any regard for food shortages around the world, hogging the couch when you just got up, relieving their bowels on the windshields of both Hummers and Priuses with frustrating neutrality. But an increasing number of activist groups, including the People for Animals Who Are People Too, Animals Called People for Animals Called Animals, and People for People Assuming Animals Are People Too, are insisting upon an equal playing field for animals and humans alike. The most recent public example of this struggle has surfaced at the San Diego Zoo, famous for several facets, including its ski lifts, state-of-the-art facilities, and frequent uttering of the question, it costs how much to get in? Followed by the frequent follow-up question, seriously? San Diego Zoo is also renowned for its panda exhibit, a lush and luxurious space of greenery native to their natural habitat of China, almost as naturalistic as their actual habitat, a forest now under several tons of concrete, and serving as the world's largest drink coaster factory. So it's generally accepted that the pandas have broken even. It's like the human race getting kicked out of a large middle-class neighborhood and moved into a high-rise condo. Plus, they get the added benefit of lots and lots of attention, which all people love, and therefore animals do too. But today, the San Diego Panda exhibit is getting attention for a very specific issue, namely... Is extinction preferable to a life in which you are assigned a gender identification simply in the interest of getting your lazy bare bones to mate and save your species? For years, zoo officials would assign gender to animals based off their reproductive organs. But recently, the newest crop of zookeepers objected to this sort of role assignment, insisting that it was a panda's prerogative to choose their own identity and will not have the pandas mate until every single panda has comfortably explored all its options. So far, their options have been sleep, eat bamboo, and fall asleep while eating bamboo. It seems pandas don't have a biological clock, 
so much as a biological Mayan calendar, in that it appears to have ran out years ago and doomed them all. Now, where are the pandas presently with the whole self-discovery thing? Joining us today, as always, is field reporter Chartreuse Beljar, though in this case the field is a make-believe field full of painted rocks, backdrops, and plants imported over thousands of miles and placed into soil imported from Home Depot. Chartreuse, on the scene, in the panda exhibit. Now, are you still there, Chartreuse, as in alive? And should I be talking this loudly, or are you more likely to survive if I lower my voice? Uh, I am here, I am alive, and I hear your voice at that volume every day, and I'm still surviving. Well, that's great news for one of us. Well, I am about to enter the panda habitat after distracting zookeepers by putting Sarah McLaughlin's Arms of the Angels on repeat on my iPod shuffle. Apparently, a song puts zookeepers, and really all animal lovers, in a trance, and they are forced to cuddle with cats and dogs. Right about now, the ocelots are getting a lot of love. Now, I've been warned before about the pandas, that they can show aggression towards humans, but from what I know about pandas, they're only aggressive if I'm holding bamboo. And right now, I'm not holding bamboo, so I should be good to go. Plus, if they were to get aggressive, pandas are so fluffy that I wouldn't actually feel their claws. It would just feel like a strange and kind of stilted, awkward hug. Hello there. I'm with your welcome world news, and I'd just like to do a quick interview if you don't mind. Mm. All right, well, there's no sign of objection, and I'm still not holding bamboo, so I'm going to go forward. You must be aware at this point that being in this environment, it is expected of you to procreate. And as a female, male, regardless, you must feel pressure either way. On the Urban Dictionary website, I found that a pandasexual is a person who is unwilling to be intimate with another. This could either be because they don't care, don't care, or are just too lazy. Now, do you find this to be true? Do you find it to be offensive? Can't tell if that's my stomach or if you're responding to me. I did have two cups of very strong coffee. Intelligentsia. Mm. You know what? If you don't feel like talking about your gender or sexual orientation, you don't have to. I get it. You know, let's try something out, why don't we? How about some word association? I'm going to say some words or phrases, and you can just give me a grunt, if you don't like it, and a higher-pitched grunt. Or, what would be really cute is if you could do one of those little baby panda sneezes, if you do like it. Okay, here we go. Moist Leaves. Mm. Thick branches. Mm. A train going into a tunnel. Mm. Seven inch bamboo shoots. Mm. Mm. Your mother. Okay, I promise, let's just back off the sex focus here for just a minute, okay? Now, did you know there are Japanese cookies called Hello Panda? They're little biscuits filled with either vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry icing. And on the outside, there's pictures of pandas, you know, ice skating, fencing, or just laughing. They're cute, and I bet you'd like them. Okay, so if you were to be a Hello Panda, 
Would you be fishing or doing your nails? Boxing or playing dress up? Attending a car show or maybe having your period? <laughs> hey, what do you think about that monkey who took a selfie? I just left the cage. My organic cotton shift dress has been torn. I am alive and I'm still here. Well, it's clear that you don't need bamboo to instigate an altercation with a panda. Just simply bring up sex, gender, or monkeys on social media and that'll stir up some real feelings with these animals. For now, the San Diego Zoo will remain to foster a genderless society, unless, of course, they hire an animal psychologist, which I am not. Uh, Chartreuse, can you hear me? Um, is this still an okay volume to protect your life from these pandas? I don't know if it's ever been okay, but it is your same volume. Great. I am nothing if not consistent. Mm. Now, Chartreuse, are there any other animals whose gender issues are on the table at San Diego Zoo right now? Mm-hmm. Hippos. Explain. Um, I, I tried to speak with them, mm-hmm. and um, to be honest, it was after the panda experience, and I, I'm a little emotionally scarred after the panda experience, so just them turning their head towards me I, I was frightened. You felt I, a bit vulnerable. Yes, but I did try and look around at them physically, you know, at their undercarriage area, and I could not tell. They seem like they're a bit amorphous in terms of mm-hmm. body type. They're, yes, there's large flaps of skin that I don't know if that's, you know, back fat or upper calf Sensitive topics, indeed. Difficult to breach with any animal, hippo or otherwise. Body image and sexual orientation are both sensitive topics. I think so. And do you feel like the hippos respected your personal boundaries? Oh, no. Hmm. Well, that's terribly hippocritical of them. All right. You know, it's puns like those that are the reason why you're still single, Stefan. That's a fascinating theory. Thank you, Chartreuse. PRA, Public Radio America, and Your Welcome World News are brought to you today by Non-Fat Milk. Are you on your third latte of the day and want to convince yourself that you're not completely destroying your body? Try switching to Non-Fat Milk, or White Water as it's known in Brazil, to spend just as much, or maybe even a little more sometimes, on peace of mind that borders on delusion. Non-Fat Milk. It's not wholesome. It's non-some. And by... The Wire. Have you seen The Wire? What's wrong with you? You've got to see The Wire. Newborn baby, death in the family, getting married, getting divorced, assigned to a project at work that could make or break your career. Is it your turn to serve jury duty? Nothing requires your time and attention more than watching The Wire. We've already seen it, so we're not interested in having a conversation about it with you, but you will earn our reluctant and delayed respect once you confirm you've seen the entire series. We may even humor you with brief conversational non-starters that give the illusion of a shared experience, like, that was so crazy, that thing that happened with Omar, or who's worse, the criminals or the cops? 
Or, I went to Baltimore once and it was just like that. Joining us now, as always, is BBC affiliate and correspondent, Austin Bronte. Austin, good day to you, or as they say in your native land, good morrow. Uh, thank you very much, Stephen. I would like to correct you for future episodes that no one really says good morrow anymore. I beg your pardon. A great morrow to you, my thank you very much. friend from across the briny deep. Stephen, if uh, we have a minute, I'd just like to get right to it. <clears throat> Now, as I understand it, there's something going on with uh, legendary British comedy troupe, The Joke Department. That is correct, Stephen. The Joke Department refused to take their final bow. We know them for their crazy faces and impersonations of little girls. We love them for their sarcastic bullying of clock dusters. And we clap with joy and a trademark oops in me soup when influential funny men, The Joke Department, announced a return to the London stage after an absence of almost 30 years. But what began as a triumphant reunion for the influential funny men known as the Joke Department has turned sour. What was meant to be a five-night nostalgia fest has turned into a tense six-week standoff between the Joke Department, the theater owner, the police, the public, and in a surprising twist, Sir Paul McCartney, MBE. My God. Now, for anyone who has spent the last 30 years buried beneath a giant stupid rock in a desert of ignorance, remind us about the Joke Department's legacy, please. Well, yes, Stephen. Formed in the 1960s, beloved in the 70s, tolerated in the 80s, and gradually ruined in the 90s, the Joke Department began as a reaction to and rebellion against the overtly British tradition of telling a joke and then immediately following it with the phrase, just pulling your plonker. Ah, yes, the classic British phrase. Their brand of absurdist humor brought on a wave of anti-authority humor that tore down sacred cows and sometimes sacred people. Over the years, they made so much money that they went from anti-authority figures to anti-anti-authority figures, sometimes referred to as authority figures. Their youthful rebellion turned into middle-aged rebellion, mostly against young people, and their fortunes tripled as they invested in Broadway musicals, animated films, and theme park attractions based on their most popular classic sketches. Oh, yes, and just how classic are those sketches? I mean, growing up as a young, uh, I believe the term is Brit-ophile, who could forget such classic joke department sketches as, uh, Who's making the tea? Not me. Well, Stephen, we also can't forget the I must ask you a question. One of my personal favorites. Uh, there was also the Wiggle Waggle Blossom dance, which gave me a real hoot as a child. Ah, yes, and it's how I met my first girlfriend. Not by doing the Wiggle Waggle Blossom dance, but by walking down the hallways of my middle school asking random women if they were familiar with the classic joke department sketch, the Wiggle Waggle Blossom dance. <laughs> uh, Steven, let me ask you, was your father a farmer? Oh, that's a classic <laughs> sketch. I'm incapable of laughter for a variety of emotional reasons, but were I capable, I would be doing it with you right now. Yes. Now, with that in mind, with all the troubles that drove the joke department apart, what can you tell us about why they would have decided to come together in the first place? Well, Stephen, the new generation of comedy fans influenced by the joke department demanded a reunion of the old crew on one stage that they could take pictures of themselves in front of. As you know, technology has changed. Always in the benefit of a young person's ego. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we needed 
new original footage uh, captured on a cellular phone. So that was the main cause for wanting to get them together. And so the original members, even the cremated ones, took to the world-famous Argyle stage for a sold-out show attended by celebrities and ticket scalpers alike. A second show was added due to popular entitlement and quickly sold out. And then a third show was added... That one didn't sell out, but regardless, a fourth show was added, then a fifth, then a sixth, then a seventh. Uh, How many shows have they done now at this point? 47. 47. Yes, 47. The joke department has now reunited 47 nights in a row and counting, and that's not including the matinees mostly attended by maintenance staff. The Argyle Theatre is in chaos, unable to go along with their calendar of events, forced to cancel Paul McCartney. The long-feared Oasis reunion, the Paul McCartney cover band Wingin' It, Paul McCartney's Wingin' It cover band Wings, and multiple university graduations. 21-year-old Angela Stuffins, devastated that she won't be allowed to graduate, has staged a protest in front of the theater, and in order to cover the unexpected additional tuition fees, scalps tickets to the joke department reunions on the side. Authorities are unsure as to the joke department's motives, although there may be a clue in original member Nigel Rosenbaugh's interview with the Times pre-reunion, where he said, quote, We're old, we don't want to do this again, and if it's worth doing, it's worth running nose first into the ground. Fascinating, and our hearts go out to everyone affected by this tragic and ongoing reunion. Now, uh, Austin, what can you tell us about the latest pop-up to feature in East London? Well, Stephen, we've had pop-up restaurants, pop-up fashion shows, pop-up shirt tuckers. This week, the fashion for pop-ups in London has reached new heights, or should I say depths, with the capital's first pop-up tube station. The temporary underground stop appeared overnight last week between Liverpool Street and Bathnell Green on the Central Line. Several young East London scenesters were reported trapped in the station when it closed as abruptly as it opened. Rescue plans were quickly drawn up to drag Liverpool Street 300 fathoms to the east. Happy to say the rescue was a success with only 12 fatalities. Oh, only 12. Well, that's really... Actually, wait, no, actually, 12 deaths is a little bit staggering, isn't it? I mean, Austin, what is the likelihood of another pop-up station occurring in light of this jaw-dropping death toll of the first one? Well, Stephen, I would like to point out that the deaths were not that catastrophic in terms of quality of loss. I see. So the argument is that these were people that weren't really doing very much with their lives anyway. No, and what's... Best for the British people is having more platforms for the U, the underground, the tube, if you will. It certainly makes sense. Uh, I, I can certainly think of at least five or six hundred people in Los Angeles that could probably get swept away in a pop-up subway station without any enormous loss being considered. Yes. See, the difference between those people in Los Angeles and the people here in Britain is that I couldn't even think of them, making their death more inconsequential. As always, thank you very much, Austin Bronte, and we'll have to take your word for it. Thank you very much, Stephen. A great morrow to you. An even greater morrow to you, old bloke chap. Received. Now, joining us in the studio today, a man who calls himself a musical activist. What is he against, besides the five-minute limit on airtime handed down by our producers? Tyson Bandelier. 
Welcome to your welcome. Thank you for having me, I suppose, but you can just call me Bandelier from now on. Bandelier, it is a pleasure to have to say fewer words. Well, you're quite welcome, although I do wish everyone had a more extensive vocabulary. And to answer your question, I'm against everything. You are against all things. Everything. Everything under the proverbial sun. I'm against breathing at times. I mean, except for the animals. I love the animals. You are against breathing and you love animals. What's the point of it all? What is the point of breathing? I don't understand, really. It fills your lungs with life-giving oxygen. It's involuntary. Yes, like that. That's a very strong yes, example. Well, why of can't breathing. I? Why can't I have a choice? If I want, if I want to choose to not breathe, when I try to choke myself out for a bit, I just come right to after I've passed out, and there I am again. There's no solution. It's quite unfair. Are you speaking in metaphors, or do you actually literally choke yourself until you pass out? It's the only time I can find peace and happiness in this cruel and miserable world. That is extraordinarily deep. Now, do you have a space in your house or apartment where you like to choke yourself out, or do you prefer to do it in public? <sighs> I mean, I prefer not to go out in public unless I'm trying to bring attention to the cause which is this lonely lonely existence oh the cause yes so that brings us to the ultimate issue that you are rallying people against with your music which is dot 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 just everything everything it's just it's disgusting it's ghastly the way we just overuse everything I mean I can't get over the fact that I've received no support whatsoever for the fact that I just, for the first time anyone has ever done this in the history of the music business, I released an entire recorded EP on rewritable CDs. So when you're done with it, I, I went to, I took my flash drive and I went to a Kinko's and I used one of their computers and I just made copy after copy. And then what you can do is if you take my music, you can then put it on your computer and then you can use it to burn another CD. And you'll see nothing in the press, in the music publications, but any of this. I confess, I have never heard of anyone doing that. That must take a lot of time. Well, Stefan, it did, but... It was worth it because I care. For someone who's against breathing on principle, you really seem to enjoy the act of taking an extraordinarily deep breath and exhaling it. Well, I mean, if you've got to do it, you've got to make it count now, don't you? That is beautiful and stirring. I don't cry, but if I could, maybe I would be trying not to right now. No. You know, when I was here earlier listening to your show with Chantreuse, um, Her name is Chartreuse, but I'm not offended. Well, no, I was by the name Chartreuse. I like Chantreuse much better. It's yours. Please did, feel free. I did enjoy the segment that you were doing on the animals, because I feel like animals are people. 
And when I play for animals, they're one of the most captive audiences I've ever had, especially the ones that are in captivity. That's true. It is an established fact that animals are people, and I've often found that the reason why I prefer them to many people is that they don't interrupt me when I tell them about my day. No, they're very quiet, and I appreciate that very much. Do you ever worry that they're quietly building a case against you as they listen to you spill mm. your deepest and darkest secrets? No, no. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. They're that would be friends. very strange. I think only a very strange and silly person who's not completely in control of themselves would have such a thought. There's no way that they could ever want to build a case against me. They're, they're my friends. I mean, I am involved in a lawsuit right now against a former friend, but, you know... Could you go into the details of that a little bit? I'm not supposed to, but I will. You are such an outlaw, and we all really appreciate that. Well, if it wasn't for the music, I'd probably be in jail. I mean, it's this a prison. So the judge gave you a choice, either play your guitar or go to jail. No, the judge did send me to jail, and I escaped with my guitar. I used it to bash... The, um... Guard. Yes, the guard. I'm sorry, I, I blocked the memory. I no, was... it's understandable. That sounds extraordinarily difficult to relive. Would you mind reliving some more of that? Yes, see, why it's so difficult is because I'd put that master tape, I'd put that memory down on a rewritable CD, and then I wrote over it, and so now I can't remember really what happened. But I do remember reading about it, what is that guitar-shaped object you're holding in your hands right now? It is a guitar, yes. With the guitar, would you be interested in playing one of your activist tunes? You know, I could try, I suppose. Um, you know, I tried, I, I tried to go with whatever I'm feeling in the moment. I never stick to one song that I just play time and time again. But I was so inspired by what you were talking about earlier that... You're welcome. Try something. Otters, beavers, we're in a drought. Salmon all need water to figure it out. Conserve or die out. Conservation's a lifestyle, you've got a choice But don't choose to be conservative, girls and boys Stay liberal, make some noise See, we've got to Save the furry little toys Yes, we've all died now. I mean, I feel like I'm still working on it. I generally don't clap because I consider that to be unnecessary noise pollution. But if I did, I would definitely be moved to do that right now in response to you. I feel like unnecessary noise pollution is probably either a song title or my next album name. It sounds very interesting. Um, I hate to cut you off. I'm getting a wild flailing arm gesture from my producers that I think means that uh, you have to leave right now. 
So, um, I suppose if anyone is going to any musical venues, uh, pop your head in and look. I may be there. Thanks. Yes, look for uh, Tyson Bandelier, or as this, he prefers to be called. It's Bandelier. It's Bandelier. Or Bandelier, if you want to get quite exotic with it. I never like to get exotic, but I appreciate the option. Do you prefer erotic? You really have to leave now. Public Radio America and Your Welcome World News are brought to you by agnosticism. It's a religion for commitment phobes. Or, you know, maybe it's not. Who's to say? It might not be. Or maybe it is. That wraps it up for Your Welcome World News this week. But first, being right all the time can be so difficult that sometimes mistakes are made. So here are last week's retractions. A second L was not added to the word llama. It's always been that way. Slowly separating Velcro does not actually make the sound Velcro. Our apologies to the Anti-Automatopoeia Confusion League for the confusion. Whether or not sage incense actually cleanses households of bad spirits, sage will not act as a housekeeper. It cannot be confirmed that Martha Stewart hit on a parole officer with the pickup line, Do the curtains match the drapes? Now, a quick update on the ongoing Public Radio America fundraiser. We're up to 1.2% of our goal. Just as a reminder, at the $10 level, Chartreuse Bell Jar will tell donors that they should floss more. Thanks for listening, or at least having us on in the background while you drive. And special thanks, as always, to research assistants Eric Stoles, Madeline Wager, Jeremy Simon, along with intern Levi Petrie, and in-studio fluffer Zane Grant. I'm Stefan Hyphen Straitman saying, we're right all the time, so you don't have to be. Thank you, and you're welcome. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.